0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving,
1: we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back to throw is gone, looks left, fires one down the left sideline towards
0: the end zone, Robbie Anderson, he's got it! That's a jet touchdown! Thumps it to Bell, and right beyond Bell, takes it, and through the Touchdown!
1: Powder, close to thirty, twenty-five, forty. Powder comes on the Jets. He's going to go all the way. Jameson Crowder. No, it's intercepted by Mosley. He's going to score, dude. and he's in. Touchdown, C.J. Mosley.
0: And welcome to Cool Your Jets, our first official episode. Uh, I cannot be more excited uh, to hop into this one. We have a great podcast for you guys this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the Jets' very interesting signing of a few days ago, and center uh, Ryan Khalil. Uh, then on Thursday, they have their first preseason game of the season against the Giants, uh, and we'll close the episode. Uh, we we asked you guys to submit some questions for our mailbag using the hashtag AskCYJ, uh, and so you guys did a tremendous job. We got loads and loads of responses, so we'll, we chose a few of those and we'll respond to them. Uh, so thank you guys again. Um, but, yeah, we're really excited to get into this. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Blessington. Um, but the show is really nothing without my co-host, uh, analytic and stat nerd, Michael Nania. Michael, how you doing, man?
1: Great to get this kicked off. Uh, I think we learned a lot from... Uh, Doing our trial episode over at Play Like a Jet, it was good to shake off the rust a little bit and just get kicked off with that. And I think I think we're ready to just jump into this and have a lot of fun as we go through the season. So uh, things are getting into the we're getting back into the football groove with the preseason coming up. The Ryan Khalil signing was amazing to see. Definitely exciting. And training camps underway and the vibe around this team is really positive right now. So I'm excited for the season and really excited to get into Cool Your Jets.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you uh, completely. Yeah, for those who don't know, we did do a a bit of a, a trial practice episode on the play like a jet feed. It will actually end up on our official feed. Um, as we're still getting that all sorted, so this episode is supposed to come out on Monday, but if iTunes doesn't approve it until Tuesday, it could be a day late. Um, and then we're still working on getting the show on on Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all all of those uh, outlets that you listen to podcasts. I promise we will have them all uh, in a, in a matter of uh, you know probably less than two weeks. It's just kind of you have to have, submit your first episode and you know prove that you're a viable podcast and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we did a trial run on on Play Like a Jet. We learned a lot, like you said, Michael. Um, and, and, you know, we were obviously really excited, uh, to, to hop into it. Uh, we, we made some changes, uh, but obviously, uh, this is going to be a fun podcast. I think the biggest thing, the, the advice, I think the best uh, feedback we got was it didn't suck, which, uh, which I liked. Uh, I think that was really encouraging. That's huge. You
1: got to get that Yes, done. Very important.
0: Yes. Uh, you can follow our Twitter for the show at CYJ uh, you can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania, and you can follow my personal Twitter, although I don't use it too much anymore at Ben W. Blessington. Uh, and you can also find this show and, and plenty of other great podcasts and articles and jets content at turnonthejets.com. a bit redundant with our podcast name. We have cool your jets at turn on the jets.com, but who cares? Um, uh, Michael, let's just hop right into it. We'll, we'll, start with the Ryan Khalil signing. Cause this came out of nowhere. Um, it seemed like most fans had accepted that Jonathan Harrison was going to be the starting center for this team, uh, for better or for worse. I think many had talked themselves into it, but obviously me and you were, were pretty skeptical of the offensive line and specifically that center position. Just talk about what Ryan Khalil brings to the team, not only from an on-field uh, you know, standpoint, but also off the field or making protections and what he's going to do for, for Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah, so when the news came out, it was definitely a surprise. It just came out of nowhere. I just saw the Ian Rappaport tweet, and I was like, okay, that, that's pretty awesome. So uh, it, first of all, I think it was definitely cool. It, it is definitely very good to see from Joe Douglas that he's emphasizing the offensive line, recognizing that need at the center position, and going out and making a move. And uh, I think just from Khalil talking about it, from Douglas talking about it, Adam Gase, talking about it as well, that this was a Joe Douglas move, that he was just going out there and showing the initiative uh, just to make a move, make an upgrade, to reach out to Khalil and see if he was willing to come back and get out there and be an upgrade, uh, be a big help to Sam Darnold in this offensive line. And he got it done. So I think it's really positive uh, from the standpoint of what Joe Joe Douglas was able to do to go get this done. And for Khalil, I think that, you know, he's 34 years old and he wasn't initially planning on playing this season. So you don't know what you're going to get from him from an athletic standpoint, but I think he's still going to be a huge upgrade uh, even on the field over Jonathan Harrison. He was still graded above average last year, pro football focus. And obviously pro football focus isn't the end all be all with any player, but uh, he's still a really solid player. At least he was, last season and it, it goes beyond the field too just what he's going to do calling out protections just the experience he'll give to sam darnold he's a guy who's played in a super bowl won a bunch of playoff games been a multi-time all pro and pro bowler so uh, it, i was really excited to see the news when it came out and it's going to be a huge help for sam darnold and this offensive line so it definitely raised the ceiling of the group and it, it's great to have a, a vet at center that you can trust and it's good to see that the jets finally under joe douglas now is uh, that they're uh putting an emphasis on that center position after ignoring it uh, under Mcagnan.
0: Yeah. I mean, Joe Douglas has talked about agnosium that, you know, if you look at successful teams around the league, they're often built in the trenches and specifically that offensive lineman Douglas is a former offensive lineman. Uh, We know that that is a position he's going to attack every year. And I expect it in the draft. I think this upcoming one in 2020, I think we we still have uh, some football to get to before we get uh, to the draft, but I think you're going to see a lot of offensive linemen that the jets are going to target. Um, yeah, it's a big move. And I think it's, it's nice to see that the jets were able to get somebody out of retirement that hasn't, that doesn't happen too often. You know, I think part of it was Ryan wanted to come play again. He wanted to, you know, I think being in New York is nice. I think he was persuaded by Joe Douglas, but also that he, he went to USC, was a USC fan and, and is a big fan of Sam Darnold and wanted to, to be his center. And you, you touched on it. It's just, you know, having a young quarterback and, and, the leap that we expect Darnold to make this year is going to be helped so much by having a veteran presence in that locker room and, and somebody who can help make protections, help him at the line of scrimmage is going to be able to teach him stuff um, that, you know, I, I like Jonathan Harrison, but I, he's going to be able to teach Sam Darnold things that I don't think Jonathan Harrison would have been. I, I'm glad that we're going to have a quarterback essentially learning uh, on the fly, then a quarterback uh, and then a quarterback and a center learning both at the fly at the same time. Ryan Cleel is a guy who's done it before. He's seen a lot of stuff in this league, and he's going to be tremendous for Sam Darnold. And Joe Douglas talked about it, how he expects Ryan Cleo to kind of be that Josh McCown mentor type figure for Sam Darnold. But whereas Josh McCown could really only do stuff on the sidelines, Ryan Cleo is going to help you know Sam Darnold on the field, uh, off the field. And I think he's also, for the team as a whole, going to be big for that locker room and leading that offensive line group. Uh, Michael, how much better do you think this addition, strictly from an on the field perspective, makes this this offensive line unit, you know, with with Jonathan Harrison as the starting center. So the starting five of, of Beecham, Coletio uh, Semele, Jonathan Harrison, Brian Winters and Brandon Shell. Where would you have ranked that? And where would you rank it now with Ryan Khalil in the mix?
1: Yeah. So I think the thing with Khalil is that all those things that we've been talking about, his experience, just the IQ he brings to the table, all those intangible things at, at the center position, that's one of the most cerebral, heady positions in the game. So those things kind of make you better as a player in terms of what you're bringing on the field. And it's a harder thing to quantify. It might not show up in pass protection numbers or anything like that. But those things make you a good player at center. So he's definitely a guy who I think can come in and be average, maybe above average at center. While with Harrison, even though he's a guy who you know has some upside, he's a good athlete. I think you look at what he did for the Jets last year, he was really a bottom-of-the-barrel center. Better than Spencer Long was, but still wasn't very good. So I think you're making an upgrade from bottom five to about average at center. And I think overall at the offensive line, before Khalil, it was probably – probably still a bottom five, bottom 10 unit. If Assembly can make that jump back to where he was, it could maybe touch being an average unit. But with Khalil, I think you're definitely flirting with being average for now. But if everyone hits their ceilings, uh, all five guys across the line, then it could be an above average unit. But I think with Khalil, you're definitely in that kind of low 20s range uh, in terms of the overall talent. But there are still some questions to answer, but... Just for Sam Darnold alone, I think that's a huge thing. And that was an emphasis with a lot of the additions made, even before Joe Douglas came in. But it's really good to have him, and he just is another addition that's going to be huge for Sam Darnold in particular.
0: Yeah, and we know what it's going to do for Sam Darnold, but you also look at what it's going to do for the rushing game at Le'Veon Bell. I think it's going to help Le'Veon to yeah, have a veteran, sure. have a veteran center up there. You know, Ryan Khalil is blocked for some great rushing attacks. I mean, Carolina was the fourth ranked rushing offense last year, so I think that's going to help. Uh, you know, tremendously. And when you look at Le'Veon Bell's running style, the way how he likes to pick and choose and his holes and be really patient behind the line of scrimmage, I think just the addition of Khalil is really going to help his running style and his you know, helping him maximize uh, his potential. You talk about the Jets, you know, if everybody's hitting their ceiling being an average group, and there are some variables, you know, Brandon Shell is still a relatively young player. I mean, I guess Brian Winters has had plenty of ups and downs. He's just lacked some consistency, uh, and Kelvin Beecham is a pretty good passing left tackle, um, pass blocking left tackle. So you're right, there, there, there is room for guys hitting their ceilings. There is one move that the Jets could consider making before the season starts that could take this offensive line group into the next tier, into that above average uh, range, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. The the idea of trading for Trent Williams, and I think we were going to... Try to get to this last week on our test episode, but I don't think we did. So why not address it now? He's still a member of the Washington Redskins, but it sounds like Williams is is going to get traded at some point, despite Jay Gruden, you know, denying that or whatnot. It sounds Trent Williams is pretty set in his ways and not playing for the Redskins after I, I believe they, they told him that uh, he had a bump on his head, that it was nothing and it turned out to be a tumor or something. Uh, so I it, you know, from a medical perspective, it makes sense why why Trent Williams doesn't want to trust the Redskins organization and would like to play football somewhere else. However, he wants a new contract. He's thirty four, I believe. Thirty two. I don't want to mess that up. Michael, I'll just go go to you. Uh, Trent Williams. Should Joe Douglas make a move and try to get him? How much do you think it would cost? You know, do you? How much do you factor in the contract extension, the draft picks? You're going to have to pay. You know, pay up. And how comfortable you are with the group as it is as to where it can go with Trent Williams.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to think about, especially after making the Khalil move. It it would be really good to see from Douglas just to go with back-to-back veteran moves on the offensive line. It, It would just be great to see that emphasis on that group, but I do think to take the name of the podcast, you got to cool your Jets a little bit with him because he is into his 30s. Uh, I believe he's missed at least three games in each of the last three seasons, so he has had trouble staying on the field. And he might not, I don't think he's the same player overall. He's still really, really good, but there was a time where he was the obvious best left tackle in the league. I'm not sure if he's that anymore, but he would still be really good. And if you add him, kick Kelvin Beachum over to right tackle, then I think that group definitely is average at the worst with the potential to be among the best in the league if they were able to add Trent Williams but in terms of the uh, the draft picks that they would have to give up for him I, I think that uh, it would probably be a third or a second somewhere in that range maybe even something conditional based on how much playing time he gets with his new team. But for me, I think maybe, I think third round max is what I would go for him just because of the age and injury questions. And he's also uh, apparently looking for a new contract as well. So you're going to have to invest in those issues. So uh, I think third round is the max I would go, but it, it would be really good to see from Douglas to put that emphasis on the offensive line. So it'd be great to see. It would raise the ceiling of this team a lot and just continue to make this team seem more and more like uh, a group that could win this year, even though we weren't quite expecting to be an all-in kind of team. It would be that kind of move to add Trent Williams. But I think third round is the max I'd go. He would make them at least average with the potential to be really, really good. But uh, I don't think it's, they're going to do it. But it would be really exciting to see from Douglas.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, Jay Gruden has, has said that he seriously doubts that they'll trade Trent Williams. I don't know if i buy that. I could, I could theoretically seeing it see it going into the season. Uh, and by the way, he's 31. So I want to make sure I get the age right. And that is something the Jets should consider. It's, it's do you sacrifice draft capital when you've, you've added this GM who, you know, has apparently one of the best eyes for talent uh, in the league uh, and is great at finding, you know, offensive linemen and guys in, you know, days two and day three of the draft. Do you sacrifice a, you know, a round three pick for a guy who is kind of more of the buy-in win now type of pick. I, I actually would. And, and there's a few reasons why, and this isn't, Generally, I would sign with you know keep your draft side with keep your draft picks and go after the younger guys. But one, Trent Williams is 31 and that's old. But offensive linemen, you know, you look at a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who's the left tackle for the, for the LA Rams. He's 37 years old.
1: Yeah, you know, that's I, true. I, I, I do believe and, that. And, and mm-hmm. Matt Paradis, the guy who we all wanted the Jets to sign, he's 30 and he's in his fifth season he's going to his fifth season as a starter and he's 30 years old so
0: exactly offensive linemen you know can age better and, and Trent Williams as you said there was a time where he was the best left tackle in all football he's still in that upper echelon if it if you can get him for a third I would absolutely do it uh you know part of me is is hesitant to, to give up you know a third round draft pick that Joe Douglas is going to try to use this year but you look at the benefits that Trent Williams would bring. One, you bring him onto this team. You could probably kick Beecham to right tackle, uh, and you slide Trent Williams in at left tackle. Now Sam Darnold has a stout left side of the offensive line between Williams, Coletti, Assembly, and Khalil uh, as a center, uh, and then Beecham moving over to right tackle really solidifies that right side and gives Brian Winter some help because I'm going to be honest, Brandon Shell struggled last year, um, and when in you know Beecham. It's probably average uh, at, at best, but you can kick him over to right tackle, and I think that group as a whole, like you said, can really move into that upper echelon, that that uh, above average top top 13, top 12 uh, units. And and if every, everybody plays to their ceilings, you could see them being one of the better groups of the league. If you can get him for a third, I would do it, but I agree with you, though. There are issues about the contract extension, and I, I wouldn't give up a second for him. Um, but as far as I would pay a third and I would give him a contract ascension for, for, you know, two years or three years or whatnot, because I think he is one of the better players. And I think if you look at the effect that he's going to have on Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell, I think it's a hundred percent worth it.
1: Yeah. And also with Joe Douglas, I think he's going to be making his first draft with the team next year. So I think he's definitely going to put a premium on those picks. He's going to want to have some picks that he can use in his first draft with the team. But but like you said, like it would be very exciting to add Trent Williams. And you put him on that line, and that that's some veteran. You have Osemley, you have Khalil, you have Trent Williams. Those are three guys who have been, I think all three of those guys at some point, have been maybe the best player in the league at their position, if not top three. I don't think Khalil was ever the best center in the league. But Osemley, Trent Williams, both of those guys, I think, at a point, were arguably the best, but Khalil probably top five. But still, those are three guys who are, you know, obviously past their primes, but not too far past their primes and guys who are still just really technically good players who even if they're not in their physical primes can still be really good. So it would be really exciting and I would love the move. But I do think Joe Douglas is going to be a little conservative uh, with his picks in terms of the trade market because he was able to get Khalil Uh, Just using some of the cap spaces Jets have left over, so uh, I think Douglas will be conservative with his picks, but adding Trent Williams would be really raise the ceiling of that group.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, undoubtedly, I I totally agree with you that. Uh, and, and look, uh, I think it's just a move that I'm in favor of. I, I understand why some are hesitant, but I, when you can bring in a guy of that talent, I think you do it, especially if you can get him for for a discounted price, like a third round pick. Now it comes down to will the Redskins uh, look to try to trade him now, or are they going to try to hang on to him uh, and see if they can convince him to come back and play for Washington? Um, but you know we'll go into the q a um, some of the questions that that our uh, listeners uh, have submitted before we do that though there is a topic that i want to touch on on uh, it's kind of in that same vein of, of joe douglas making a uh, you know an acquisition in august the kicker position Chandler cotton has reportedly struggled uh, so far in training camp missing you know kicks from 45 40 35 50. It's a position that can really make or break a season, if you just ask the Chicago Bears. And the Jets have been fairly lucky uh, with the position. You know, Jason Myers went to the Pro Bowl last year, and he was a guy that I know, Michael, you weren't the biggest fan of at first. Um, But over time, you know, you definitely joined the the Jason Myers fan club. McCagnin was criticized for not resigning Myers uh, and bringing in a guy like Catanzaro. But now that Catanzaro is officially struggling on the field, I mean, granted, we haven't seen him in game yet, so this can change. Michael, how worried are you about the position, and is there would you go out and try to make a move for a veteran kicker or even a guy like Ross Martin, who's been in training camp for the Jets for a few years and is, is impressed at times uh, with his short stints with the Jets?
1: Well, first of all, I think with kicker, I'm not as worried as I think I should be because the Jets have the god holder. They have Lachlan Edwards, so he is an absolute <laughs> legend. He's going to go out there. He's going to catch that snap. He's going to put it on the ground as perfect as any human being can possibly do it. So Lachlan Edwards is the goat, and whoever we whoever they go with, I think they're going to be okay. You just and this is this continues to get more proven as time goes on. You look at the kickers that he's held for while he's been with the Jets. They've come in, they've kicked better than they did the year before, and they leave Lachlan Edwards, and they do worse the year after. And I think Jason Myers is going to continue that this year. So uh, it it is interesting though because Catanzaro is not a very good kicker. You look at his numbers over the past three years; he's been bottom five in both. Field, he's Got the second worst field goal percentage, and I believe the sixth worst, uh, sixth worst, sixth worst extra point percentage among qualifiers. So, so he has struggled over the past few years. He's it's not like he's a veteran who's been really good. So it's interesting that uh, the Jets decided to go with one guy who isn't really that good at all. Is actually pretty bad by league standards. So uh, I think, and also Joe Douglas wasn't the guy who brought Katanzaro in. So I think yeah. definitely it is something that he's going to be looking at soon. Maybe it, it happens after the prese- uh, the first preseason game uh, if he struggles in that game. But I would think that this is something that Joe Douglas addresses. But and we'll see because it hasn't happened yet, and I'm kind of surprised. But he has struggled in practice. But overall, not too worried because the Jets have Lachlan Edwards, who is good as hell at holding. So uh, <laughs> I think that... With Ross Martin, it's interesting, too. I think if, if Jets fans could get the team to sign Ross Martin just from begging on Twitter, that would be hilarious, and Ross Martin would be the GOAT, and I'd root for him and buy his jersey. And him and Lachlan Edwards would be the most awesome special teams duo in the league. But uh, Ross Martin would be interesting to, uh, just to go with a young guy with some untapped potential who really wasn't that bad. when they. He did miss a couple in the, pre, in the preseason games last time, but in camp he was really good. Uh, the last time he was around, but he'd be interesting. Uh, I think, uh, who is that? I think Matt Bryant is available as well. He just had a really good season. Uh, uh, is it Matt Bryant? I forget who it was. There's a yeah, no, it is, it it is it. Matt Bryant. Yeah, it it is, is Matt Bryant. Yeah, he had a career high in field goal percentage last year. He's available. He's I, I think he's 200 years old, but he was really good last season. <laughs> so uh, could go with him. But whoever it is, I think they got to get some competition for Catanzaro. But even if they do roll Catanzaro, Lachlan Edwards, I, he adds about 10 points to your field goal percentage. That is set in stone proven. So uh, they should add some competition, but I'm not going to be worried as long as Lachlan Edwards is there. And I'm serious about that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll t- I'll take Matt Bryan in a wheelchair over Chandler Catanzaro right now. Uh, I mean, in Catanzaro, it was a weird signing because one, he left the Jets because he, quote, didn't want to play in cold weather, and now he's back, which was just odd for McKagan. I mean, I think the one thing that you can... Point to is that the special teams coaches remain the same for when Catanzaro was here and when he was brought back in. So my guess would be that Boyer pitched to McHagman that he thinks this guy is his guy. Boyer had a great year last year, so we can trust him, I guess. I mean, uh, I, as a 19-year-old podcaster, will definitely judge him, the special teams coach who had the best unit in the league last year. But I think it is something to to be hesitant of. And you bring up Lack Edwards. I think we should start it now. We got to get Lack Edwards on the show. I think we should start a hashtag. I mean, what, lack to CYJ or something? We just need to start a movement to get this man on our show as our first player interview uh, for CYJ. I I, I don't know about you, but I know you're probably his biggest fan. If we can get him on, I think you would probably buy his jersey by now. Um, So what do you think the hashtag should be? Lack to CYJ? We should ask our listeners to tweet that out. What should it be? I think it
1: should be – I I don't know. It's so hard to come up with one, but – he definitely has to come on. He has to come on. It would be it would be the best crossover since Endgame, I think, and that is a high high bar to clear. But Lachlan <laughs> Edwards, I'm cooler. Jets would be in that neighborhood, I think. All
0: right, we'll start it now. Hashtag lack cyj at him on Twitter, and we're gonna try to get him on this podcast. Speaking of Twitter, let's go ahead and get to the Twitter mailbag. Uh, we'll start uh, with the first one from at the, and by the way, we didn't really, I mean, we read them to put them in this document, but these answers are really going to be on the fly here. We, we thought we'd make it more authentic. So uh, if we stumble here a little bit, uh, just it's expected um, at the jet ranger two hashtag ask CYJ, which receiving core are you most scared of uh, our corners facing this year? Uh, Michael, I'll take this one first and i you can jump in here as well. Although I think we might have the same answer. It's definitely week two against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Odo Beckham jr. Is just such an alien. He is just a freak of nature. Uh, in my mind, I mean, I would put him up there as the best receiver in the NFL. I know some people will disagree with that. Um, but either way you have to acknowledge him that he's a to- at least a top three receiver in this league. Uh, and he has a good, he's a great quarterback throwing in the ball. You know, I know a lot of jets fans have some animosity towards Baker Mayfield and look, I, I, Completely understand that. I don't think he's completely proven yet. And I do think there's a chance that Sam Darnold has a better career than Baker Mayfield. I'm getting off track, Uh, but you can at least acknowledge that Baker is a solid quarterback as it stands right now. But you have a guy like Odo Beckham jr. Who's one of the best um, wide receivers in the league. And then you have his running partner in in Jarvis Landry who can give defenses nightmares. uh, And and he did give the jets a bit of a nightmare last year uh, as well. I'm worried about that. And then you have to factor in that David Njoku, the tight end, um, assuming all three are healthy. That's just going to be a nightmare for this Jets secondary to, to stop. I trust Adams on Joku, but those two corners outside, even if Tremaine Johnson's playing at his best and can and limit OBJ because you're never going to shut him down, I worry about a guy like Jarvis Landry just gashing the Jets over the middle, uh, and specifically Darryl Roberts. I think that could be a very tough game for the Jets cornerback group, and I don't know if, if there's a matchup that gets any worse. But, Michael, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you the mic on this one. Is yeah. deep- Go the yeah, Browns I, go I, I think
1: Cleveland is the obvious pick. Uh you Odell's number two all time in receiving yards per game. He is a monster. Uh he is going whoever covers him, it's probably gonna be a lot of Tremaine. How do you, Johnson, how do you
0: remember all of these stats?
1: Uh it's just it's in there. It's, it's just stored nowhere. It's just stored in there. I'm like Adam Gase with the playbook. I know. We it all. we didn't but prepare for that. You just had that. It, it's just stored in there, I'm like I'm saying. Like, I'm, a, I'm as good with remembering these obscure stats as Lachlan Edwards is at catching the snap from the long snapper, putting it down, and helping his kicker make field goals. But anyway. We should
0: just add him to the logo on iTunes. Right now it's, it's, it is it's the you know MetLife Stadium with our CYJ logo. We should just make a giant Lack Edwards holding logo. <laughs> I think our listeners would appreciate that. That would be great. Put that in. Be if so he awesome. comes on the episode, we'll make him the logo. How about that? That's the deal. We should just call it the Lachlan Edwards show we have a question that we can we can talk about names for this podcast in a bit but we'll finish this one we'll come back to that because there yeah, there is so, some stuff we want to talk about
1: yeah Cle- cleveland's the obvious choice odell's going to toast Tremaine Johnson all day if the jets are going to win that game it feels like it's going to have to be a shootout because that is just an absolute mismatch and Jarvis Landry as well he toasted Buster Screen while he's with the dolphins uh while screen was with the jets uh and Brian Poole should be a tough matchup for him so cleveland's the obvious answer but there are a few other Good groups on there. Philadelphia has a really good group. You'll get Deshaun Jackson is back. He's still been producing in Tampa Bay. They obviously have Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, who else do they have? Oakland with Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh with Juju Smith-Schuster. So there are some good receivers that they're playing this year, but Cleveland is the obvious toughest group that they'll face.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I agree with you. I think if they're going to win, it has to be a shootout. Or, you know, we, we, I don't know about the benefit, and I guess this is a question that's, that spawns off this one. How much of a benefit do you think Greg Williams is going to give the Jets in this game? The advantage of coaching Baker Mayfield for a whole year, being the team's defensive coordinator, uh, and overseeing that offense and overseeing Freddie Kitchen's offense, playing him in practice every day. I mean, I know this isn't necessarily part of the mailbag, but it brings up an interesting point. I, do the Jets have a slight advantage in the fact that the defensive coordinator really got to watch this whole team and its current head coach for a yeah. whole year?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I'd actually want to kind of look at, run through some numbers on that, uh, how coordinate, uh, coordinators <laughs> have done through their former teams in the sec, in the year after they leave. But in, in the second week of the season, maybe there could be a little bit there for Greg Williams in terms of knowing how to play for uh, playing against Baker Mayfield, since it is, like I said, only the second week of the season that they'll play. So maybe there will be a little more similarity than there would be if it were in the end of the season. But uh, it's also interesting, too, to have – uh, Greg Williams, who dominated Sam Darnold last season, uh, I think that's going to be really interesting too. But with Baker Mayfield, I, I think there's a little bit. I think there's a little bit of value. The playbook definitely definitely changes up a little bit. The terminology always changes. Uh, that definitely varies from year to year. But in terms of knowing just his strengths and weaknesses, I think he can bring a little bit to the table, and that that could balance things out a little bit. I'm I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if this is a home or take, but I do have the Jets winning that game. I know we're getting off track from the mailbag, but I do have the Jets winning that game. And part of it is the Greg Williams advantage because I think, one, yeah, you have – this is the guy that coached that entire defense for a year. I think he knows those players. He knows where to attack. He's going to help Sam Darnold out. I think, two, he knows Baker Mayfield's weaknesses. I think he's going to know how to attack Baker Mayfield and what gave him headaches last year. And, three, I know you said you want to check your numbers, but I don't know how many times if there's ever been a situation like this where he was – with the team was the interim head coach and his offensive coordinator basically replaces him. He watched Freddie kitchens. Who's their head coach run his offense. You know, you know, when Rex Ryan left the jets or whatever uh, and and we played, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Many times when a guy leaves a team and then he plays his former team, they've replaced him with a whole new staff or whatever. But Greg Williams is overseeing Freddie kitchens running offense. So, that's really interesting. And I, I do think it's going to give the Jets an advantage, but we'll see if it, it's, if it's enough to overcome the, the advantage that the the Browns are going to have on out uh, on the receiver core, uh, because that is so far going to give uh, Greg Williams some nightmares. Uh, we'll go to number two uh, at underscore uh, Pedro Augusto 99. Do you think Darnell will break the record for most TDs thrown by a Jets QB this year? Uh, Michael, I started the last one. I'll go to you for this one.
1: Yeah. I, uh- I don't think so. Right now, my prediction is 29, but it's absolutely in the realm of possibility. I mean, the guy who holds the record right now is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I would (laughs) like to see that go away. I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick holding my team's touchdown record, but uh, I don't think so. I think 29 29 is where my prediction is right now, but he definitely has the potential to go way above that. But uh, after I've actually been looking at the predictions really closely and breaking it down in terms of what's realistic Uh, If he ranked average above average in the league, Uh, just looking at last year's numbers, where he would be, what kind of numbers he would put up if he was an above average top 10 to 14 kind of guy. And I think 29 is my number right now. So and 31 is that number that Fitzpatrick set in 2015. So I'm going to go under that right now, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he did beat it.
0: Yeah, I have him finishing literally right around there at 30 or 29. So I think he's going to be second all time, um, which is pretty incredible that in his second year he'll be doing that uh, for the Jets. That just shows you the the, the dearth of quarterback talent that we've had. Uh, I think it's going to be really close, and and I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have that record for much longer. I think the longest he has that is maybe uh, another year after this one. Uh, Yeah, I think Sam Darnold gets around 29, 30. Maybe he can push it and get 31 or 32. But uh, I I think we did an over-under type of thing uh, on the show last week. Um, So I'll say 30. I'll I'll keep it consistent. I'll say 30. He doesn't get it, but he moves up to number two, uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, can start sweating for that record. Uh, Let's go to another one. Uh, At uh, L... Orange. 0 uh, 11 L L orange. 0 11. I get it. I don't know. Hashtag ask CYJ. What have been your three most memorable wins and three most disheartening losses during the Jets current playoff drought era 2011 to today? All right, I'll start. Um, well, I guess we'll I'll do the wins. Then you'll do your wins and then I'll do the losses. So I'll go wins from 2011. Well, obviously, 2015 versus the Pats um, in week 16 to, to give them the win and end game against Buffalo. I have a feeling that game is going to come up again uh, in this question. Um, yeah, I guess that game was pretty insane. Beating the Pats on a on a walk-off touchdown was a pretty great moment. I would say week one, 2011, beating the Cowboys on the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. I think for many reasons, that game was, was amazing and powerful and also great fourth quarter comeback and a great game. Uh, and I'll go 2018 Week One. I think watching the Jets uh, and Sam Darnold, their you know their hope for a franchise quarterback, the the most hope they've had in forever, bounce back after this horrible start and drop a 50 burger on the Detroit Lions. And, and a former Patriots defensive coordinator it was a pretty great moment watching Jamal Adams get his first pick. Darren Lee have a pick six. I mean, it was a, it was a great game all around. I haven't seen many Jets games like that since. So I'll say my three
1: are, are the, the Pats, Cowboys, and, and
0: Lions. Michael, do you do you differ?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go with two of the three same. I agree on the Pats in 2015. That was uh, really incredible. Uh, Last year's game against the Lions, that that was just insane. I remember after that game, just laying outside on a bench outside my college dorm and just looking into the sky like, what (laughs) the hell just happened? I I was just completely shocked. And obviously, we'll just... Forget about the rest of the season in terms of wins and losses. But at that point, the Jets were undefeated, averaging over 31 points per game more than their opponents. That was really awesome. So those two games I agree with. But instead of the Cowboys game, and that was incredible. I was actually at that game. I was thinking about picking it. But to be different, and actually, and I do think this one was better than the Cowboys, but the Giants game in 2015, that was oh. really awesome. That was a ton of fun. And that comeback was ridiculous. I actually, uh, in the middle of the game, I stopped watching. I was like... I had my face in my pillow in my room. I was done. And my dad's a Giants fan, so it was very personal. And to make that comeback was really incredible. <laughs> that, that one was a ton of fun. And then after the game, me and my younger brother were just going in- insane after that. So that, that one was a ton of fun. And it also kept that winning streak going. So uh, at that point, it really felt like that team was going to get hot. So uh, that one was a lot of fun. I'll go to the 2015 Giants and Pats and the Lions last year.
0: Well, you you just brought up uh, a point, so I think I'm going to jump to one of the questions that we had towards the end of this document. You said your dad is a Jets fan, so we have at Rock the Jets fan, a good friend uh, of the show and a friend of mine. Uh, How did both of you become Jets fans, and what are your best, worst memories rooting for this organization? We've kind of gone through that part, but um, how did you become a Jets fan? Your dad is a Giants fan, so for me, my dad's a Jets fan, so despite, I live in Portland, Oregon, um, despite that. You know, I was able to bond with my jet with my dad over a team, but you
1: didn't really have that. So how did you become a Jets fan? Yeah, so my dad is a Giants fan, but he's not the most diehard Giants fan. He follows them, but he's not super into it. But he got Jets season tickets with my uncle, who is a Jets fan, and so that's kind of how I became a fan. He just took me to some Jets games, and I was hooked, and it was around the time uh, in the early 2010s when they were competitive so I, that, that's really how it started. I went to that Cowboys game in 2011, uh, on 9-11, the 10th anniversary. And I was kind of watching the 2010 playoffs. So that's how I got into it, uh, even though he's a Giants fan. He had Jets season tickets uh, because of my uncle. They just invested in them together, and I got to go to some games. And the atmosphere at MetLife Stadium when the Jets are good is incredible. So it's a ton of fun, and that's how I became a Jets fan.
0: Yeah, hopefully the Jets can return to that. Um, from at Jack McNally to what do you predict the Jets record to be? I'm predicting. Wait, so 70- are we not
1: going to talk about the disappointing losses? That's fun. Oh to talk my about gosh. Yeah. Oh, you, oh my, oh, well, I, you
0: know, see, that was my subconscious. I, I have to give you some credit it,
1: though. Just moving past the disappointing uh, stuff. That That's kind of I, what we're doing this year. It's kind I, of
0: I, I know, Yeah. I noted it in my head what they were. And I was just like, I'm just not going to acknowledge it. No, I I completely forgot. Uh, three this is a most counseling dis-
1: session though. We're going to go over it.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Three most disheartening losses. Ooh, this is a tough one from 2011 today. Okay. Well, I mean,
1: I know one off the bat week 17 Buffalo. That's obvious. And I know I just said this is a counseling session, but we're not going to talk about that one. So week 17 Buffalo, that's obvious. And other, some ones other than that. Um, I think, uh, this is tough. There are so many choices. It's, Not good. This is a hard question. Good enough. Yeah, I mean, like from like
0: 2012 to 2014, they were all. I actually
1: think I'm gonna throw in the other Buffalo loss in 2015. That one was bad because they that was a game they should they should have won. Bills were not that good that year, Uh, but they came back at the end of the game and they really it was kind of similar to the the second game really. But they came back into the game after the slow start and then there was that really horrifying play where Fitzpatrick threw it up to uh who was it uh the tight end with kellen Corn davis, davis. Yep. yeah and he didn't look back to the ball and that was just
0: oh my god two. now that i think that was the game that that broke my dad as a jets fan i that was i just remember
1: so, so i'll go with those two and especially because was the year the jets were actually in it in the second half of the season uh i'll go to i mean if
0: they if they won that game they would have gone to the playoffs. so yeah okay so definitely buffalo week 17 yeah
1: um I'm, try, I'm trying i'm trying to think it goes
0: 2012 butt fumble game oh man two reasons one i mean just it's just uh, i'm not even bothered by it that much but it's just like it's fan other fans of teams think that just like by putting a gif of the butt fumble it's just like hilarious like it just doesn't bother me anymore but it, the jets became a meme and also it was just kind of the end of that i remember watching it and just thinking ah that this team is, I mean, they had 2011 where they didn't go back to the championship, but there was still some hope. And I remember watching them just get blown out. And I was like, this isn't the same team. This isn't the same quarterback or the same coach that went to the AFC championships. That was kind of the end of that era. So for that, I'll say that game. And I was also, yeah, you talk about watching a game with the Giants fans. I was uh, back east for Thanksgiving and I was just in a house full of Giants fans and they were all giving me crap uh, for that and just like laughing and celebrating at that play. So that was tough. And I was 12 years old. So I cried. Um, So I have that game. Definitely week 17, 2015. I'm trying to think of another. I think that
1: 2017 against the Pats, the Austin's Ferry and Jenkins game. That was really frustrating. I think can beat it. Yeah, that that was horrible. Um,
0: There were a lot. 2011
1: had some bad ones.
0: 2011 had some bad ones. Also, I mean, you could go... The Giants game 2011. That was oh, fun. yeah, that's a, that's a bad one. That's probably it. yeah, yeah. This Giants. is fun. This is a lot of fun. This is fun, yeah, commiserating <laughs> in, our, in our misery. I'll go, yeah, that Giants game 2011 was pretty tough. I was trying to think if, if there was something this year. Maybe that Browns game this year. But um, I don't know if I, I'd put that as, like,
1: just... Yeah, like, I it, think it's more like that was just because of, like, the aesthetic of, like, Baker Mayfield debuting against Sam Darnold in primetime, leading the comeback, ending the, win- the losing streak. Uh, is bad for that reasons or for those reasons, but the Jets weren't weren't good in that game. So yeah. even though they had the lead. It, it's a bad one. It's a bad one. It's a but. bad one, but I, yeah, I think the Giants game's probably worse.
0: All right. Um thank you, Michael, for making us go through that episode. Or that <laughs> that uh that exercise. All right. Uh at Jack McNally too. What do you predict the Jets record to be? I'm predicting at least seven wins, but I want to know others' opinions. Thanks and have a great day. Well, well, thank you, and you have a great day as well, Jack. Um hmm. Jets record. I'm gonna go. I feel like this is like the classic. I'm going to go 9-7. and seven. I'm on the 9-7, and 10-6, which is what I feel like most fans of of their team say because I think that's a pretty safe, like, oh, we're good, but I'm not saying we're amazing. I think just things are going to break our way. Uh, but I do really believe this is a 10-6 and six team with talent. I think their schedule up front is tough, uh, you know, specifically, you know, going from Buffalo, which – you know, is not the hardest game in the world, but they do have a great defense and it's week one. There is still hope. I think it's not going to be a cakewalk, but then you have to go to, you know, play the Browns on Monday night football. You have to go into new England. Then you have to play one of the best teams in football and, and the Eagles. You have to play the Cowboys. You are up there and that rushing attack is going to be a nightmare. And then you play the Pats again. So between that rough stretch of the beginning, I think they'll drop a few more games, maybe hurt their confidence. I'm going to go nine and seven, maybe 10 and six, but, but I'll, I'll set my, uh, my prediction at nine and seven. What about you, Michael?
1: Yeah, I agree. Nine and seven is where I've been. I, I think they definitely have the talent to win 10 games, and I kind of want to push it and say they can win 11 because, you, you know, anything can happen in the NFL. But that is, I think if they won 11, I'd be really surprised. But they can do 10 for sure. But nine seven is where I'm at right now. I think they have. I think they have too much talent to be a 500 or below team. I think seven is the minimum expectation that I'm hoping for this year if they win anything less than that. It's a disaster, but I think seven wins can, under certain conditions, be good. If Sam Darnold is really good, and you know, don't know what uh, can happen with injuries, that always can uh, throw a wrench into things. But seven is the minimum. I think they win. Uh, nine is my prediction for now, but they can definitely do better than that. They have that kind of talent. And the schedule in the middle of the season seems soft, and crazy things happen all the time. 2015 was supposed to be a ridiculously hard schedule, but it turned out to be extremely easy. So uh, unexpected things happen in terms of schedule difficulty, but it right now looks like something that is pretty average, maybe a little bit easier. But uh, just with the talent on this team and if Sam Darnold makes a leap that I think he's capable of, that most of us as Jets fans think he's capable of, I think nine wins is where they end up. Will that be enough for the playoffs? That remains to be determined. Sometimes it is. Sometimes 11 wins isn't enough. So uh, I don't, we'll see with the playoffs. It depends on how the rest of the AFC plays out. But nine wins is definitely my prediction right now.
0: You know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'm sorry. I'm going to 10. I'm looking at the schedule. And the, I mean, I knew the schedule, but really quickly, I think the Jets are going to win their first two games, drop the next three, and then I think they're going to go, I mean, I think they're going to be, beat the Patriots at home. I think they can beat the Jaguars. You know, I could see them losing that Jaguars game. I think they'll beat the Pats, lose to the Jaguars, and then I think they just got a pretty easy stretch of games here. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean like the like, Dolphins, I don't want the Giants, to, like, the Redskins, the yeah. Red, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Dolphins again. Like that stretch right there. I mean, maybe they'll drop a game in there, but that's what is that six games? I mean, I think they can easily yeah. win four of like, them. Like
1: I don't want to just assume those are going to be easy games because weird yeah, stuff happens. The Jets happens always easily, drop a game. They should. all the time. I could totally and that say, does yeah, I can, happen. But I totally you see look us at those losing. teams; those just aren't teams that really seem like they're gonna be that good. Miami is tanking. Then you look at the the Raiders. The Raiders can be good. I think they could they could be a surprise team. I don't think they'll be good, but that they could be the team that could uh, be the surprise good team in that stretch. But the Giants are not really looking like they're gonna be that great. Uh, who else do you have in that stretch? The the Redskins probably are not going to be that good. So it, it's a stretch of some what could be some really winnable games. But we'll see how it plays out. But it does seem like that middle-of-the-season stretch. And also in terms of travel, they have a lot of advantages. Every single one of the games they play this year are in the Eastern time zone. It's the first time in Jets history that that's happened. And I believe it's only the fifth time any team has played 16 games in the Eastern time zone. So that's an advantage. They only play road games and back-to-back weeks once. Against the Dolphins and Jaguars, so I think that both in Florida. <laughs> yeah, both in Florida, so they do have the travel advantage, and we'll see if that midseason stretch is as easy as it seems. But it does appear that it can be a bunch of winnable games in a row. So we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. But it does seem like it has a good chance to be a soft stretch.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to this next one at Wadingo, It's three A's. Um, how does Gregs with four G's? uh di- gr- I think gr- Greg gr- is gr- spelled
1: good. wrong it's supposed to have 10 G's
0: <laughs> Greg's g- 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 defense uh change from Rexes and Bulls. does it require less than the cornerbacks and since Greg g- g- dials up atypical blitzes what player will be demanded to play the most atypical role on D now this is we talked about this one Michael and I almost didn't want to put this one in because this is a question that is probably better suited for a guy like Joe Blewett at Joe RB 31 I believe on Twitter he does some great uh, film reviews and probably one of the most knowledgeable guys um, when it comes to film study that that I've seen on Twitter he tweeted us a question and it was too ridiculous that we didn't even put it in Um, but I mean from Michael and I is I guess I don't want to say juvenile because I I do believe we're knowledgeable of the game (laughs) of football and and the Jets. Um, but look, I think the biggest thing, and we've heard this is versatility. I think it was something like 35 different formations that, that Greg has on defense. So I think you're going to see a lot of three, four and four, three and dollar and diamond. I think the jets are just going to mix it up and you got versatility from Bowles, but I think you're just going to take it to the next level with Greg. Um, and yeah, I think, I think his corners are going to be more aggressive than they were in Todd Bowles' system. I think you're going to see more pressing and, and more attacking. And I think that's why Tremaine Johnson will have a better season this year than last season. Um, But I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the versatility and the amount of players that he's going to sub in. I think it's just going to be a lot happening, um, which I guess you could say is is a little bit more similar to Rex's in a sense, when you would see Rex have these crazy blitzes and formations where guys would be walking around and be like, who's coming, who's going, whatever. I think you're just seeing, you know, Greg's going to be sending a lot of blitzes from a lot of different formations with a lot of different personnel. Um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you before we go to the second part of that question.
1: Yeah, so I'll actually start the second part of that question. I think that the the player to play the most atypical role on defense, I think it's going to be Blake Cashman. He's a guy who has been getting a lot of first-team re- uh, first team reps, and whenever that happens, it that shows you that what he's been doing, what he's been showing the coaching staff on the field, in the film room, is that, that he's going to be a starting player in this defense, or not a starting player, but a player who's going to have a really big role. And you look at what Cashman did in college and his profile as a player. I think he's a guy who you're going to see in a lot of sub packages, maybe playing some coverage roles, maybe doing some pass rush from the linebacker position, because that is some, those are two areas where the jets could help out their two starting guys a little bit. Mosley is great in coverage, but Williamson, not so much. He can struggle there a little bit. And, While Williamson is a really good pass rusher from the linebacker position, Mosley isn't too productive of a pass rusher. Even though he is great at most other things, pass rushing is one of the things he doesn't do too great of a job. So I think Cashman in those two roles could be one of the most versatile players on this defense. I think he's going to be, and he's not really a surprise guy anymore because we all know he's been taking those first team reps. But he, I think he's definitely going to come in and be a bigger, a much bigger part of this defense than we expected him to be when they drafted him back in april so i think cashman is going to be the guy to play the most atypical role but the things with the top things that i think about the effects that greg williams is going to have on this defense i think of the defensive line i think leonard williams is going to get a lot more chances to attack to shoot one gap instead of two and his sack number is going to go way up this year i'm really confident in that i think he'll be in the high single digits either eight or nine he could even push double digits having quinn and williams next to him but I think those guys are going to get the chances to attack more. And does that actually mean they're playing better football? Well, that's debatable. You have to really dig into it and watch and see how it's affecting their run defense. Because you got to think if you're shooting gaps more aggressively, then that can make you more susceptible to giving up big plays on the ground. So Leonard Williams, I think he's going to get more sacks. We'll see how it affects his game overall. And also, he's looking a lot slimmer at camp. That has definitely stood out. So I think he's ready to play that role. So he is. I definitely think he's due for a big sack jump. We'll see how it affects him overall in terms of his game in the run and pass. But I definitely think he's going to get a sack jump. And another thing that I think uh, about with Greg Williams is that CJ Mosley, I think that he is going to allow Greg Williams to be as creative as he wants to be. Because one of the biggest issues with this defense under Todd Bowles the last couple of years was communication and a guy like Darren Lee's at the center of it. A younger guy who didn't really do a great job in zone coverages. His man coverage, I think, improved last year. He did a good job covering the flat, tackling running backs on dump offs. He did do better with that, but you still saw a ton of communication issues. The Jets, over the last two years, gave up more 20-plus yard games on short passes than any other team in the league, and the Ravens gave up the fewest in the league. So I'm hoping C.J. Mosley can rub some of that off on the Jets, bring down those communication issues, and I think having a guy like him in the middle of the defense, who is such a smart player, great leader on and off the field, but a really high IQ guy is going to allow Greg Williams to be as creative with his blitzes as he wants to be with his coverages. I think having C.J. Mosley in the center is really going to help Greg be who he wants to be as a play caller.
0: Yeah, that, that was a great point you just made about C.J. Mosley. But the other point you made about the defensive ends. He- yeah, in Bolsa's system, it was a lot of, you know, read and react and, and, you know, fill gaps and whatnot. In Greg's system, it's going to be attack downhill. And, yeah, like you said, we'll see if it has a, a, a bigger impact. As far as Blake Cashman goes, you know, I think Matt McCagney, you know, takes a lot of heat, as he should. He's had, you know, some great picks when it comes to Jamal Adams and Darnold. I think Blake Cashman's going to definitely be one of them. He has the ability to learn from a guy like C.J. C. Mosley. I think you're going to see him as the sub linebacker and nickel coverages, uh, nickel packages, and. That's that's a defensive formation that you're gonna see. I think NFL defenses run like 60 percent of the time now that uh, that uh, it's and the NFL has become more of a passing league and whatnot. So I think you're gonna see a lot of Blake Cashman next year. And I think also when the Jets go to their 4-3 look, I think you're gonna see Blake Cashman as, as a 4-3 outside linebacker because that's a rule that that you know requires a lot of coverage strengths. As far as atypical player, I think you had a great one in Cashman. I'll give you two, um, and I don't know if the I don't know if they necessarily fit atypical, but I'll start with, uh, Henry Anderson. I think he's going to have a different role than he has in years past. Obviously he's the three, four defensive end, but he's going to have to do something that he hasn't really done before in his career. He's going to be the four, three defensive end from everything that we've seen. He is playing on that four, three look outside when they put Quinn and Leo next to each other inside. That's going to be interesting to watch. I think that's a bit atypical to see a guy that size play a four, three defensive end position. Certainly not ideal. Um, but you know, Henry Anderson was tied for the jets, uh, lead in in sacks with seven last year i think he could definitely do it again um but as far as i guess my number one answer for a typical player i'm gonna go with marcus may playing that free safety role when you look at greg williams defenses a lot of times they have that safety that's lined up a 20 25 yards away from the line of scrimmage i think that's gonna be marcus may this year because i think he's gonna want uh, still want jamal adams in the box and whatnot so I think you're going to see Marcus May in that role, you know, that deep back ranging safety. That's going to give him a lot of freedom to move around and, and get some interceptions. People forget that their rookie years, Jamal Adams, and Marcus May, you could have made the case that Marcus May had a more productive year. I think Adams' talent and flashes were, were evident, but, but May was, a you know, kind of a ball hawk his, his freshman year, his freshman year, his rookie year. He's been hurt since, but I think once he can, once he can come back from the shoulder injury, you're going to see him in that role. And I think he's going to really succeed there. Um, let's go to the next one. This is from Paul Brzez uh, at Polly br- bruise, poly underscore bruise. Um, how'd you come up with such a great logo? Also one player on offense and defense non-starter that you're looking out for during the preseason games. Uh, that leads that second question leads well into our uh, giants preview that we're going to do in just a bit. We just have a few more questions with this. We'll start with the logo. That was all Michael. Michael. Yeah, Hamm- that was all
1: me. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's great. So thank you for stating a fact. I am well aware that this is a great logo. So. Uh yeah it was just a I decided that we're making an awesome podcast so it needs an awesome logo so that was basically the thought process there
0: yeah we we went through quite a few like different um you know designs and we still have some alternate like shields and whatnot
1: yeah uh, it was very Michael, thorough it was a very thorough well, process. oh uh, yeah I,
0: that's Michael's passive aggressive way of of saying fuck you Ben because I literally <laughs> for it was about three days of you know what if we did this. And let's change this or whatever. But Michael had this, this like I, it was it was the alternate logo. I liked the CYJ with the the plane. I think the city looks cool. I liked that, and I think you can interpret it as like the jet stream of like cool your jets, or it kind of looks like audio levels for a podcast as well. So I really liked that logo, and that's that was all Michael. He's you know he has many talents. You know he can he can host podcasts, he can bring up stats from you know 1973, and he can also uh, nice. also a pretty yeah. good graphic designer.
1: Thank as you. Far I appreciate as, that.
0: And they're all facts. They're all, they, they are all facts. And I guess he's Lack Edwards, the number one fan. Um, as far as one player on offense and defense that's not a starter that you're looking out for during preseason games, uh, I think Michael just gave a great one for the defensive side of the ball and Blake Cashman. I'm really interested to see of, you know, why have uh, the Jets been so enamored by this kid? I think he's going to play a big role on special teams and in those nickel and sub packages for defense. Uh, so I'm excited to see him. As far as offense goes, non-starter, I mean, I have two. I guess I'll go with Deontay Burnett for this one, because I think you're going to see him play more. I was going to go with maybe a guy like Ty Montgomery, because we've heard a lot about him in camp, and I kind of want to see how he looks now that he's healthy and he's going to be Le'Veon Bell's backup. But I'll go with Deontay Burnett. Uh, I'm really excited to see him uh, in the preseason. I think he'll make this team. He showed a lot of flashes when he got uh, playing time. And you know, think of that Bears game, he had that juggling circus catch. At the end of that Packers game, he made some plays. And then that Patriots game, Week 17, he he was our best receiver on the field, uh, it seemed like. So, uh, I'm excited to watch Deontay Burnett and Blake Cashman.
1: Yeah, so uh, and we'll talk more about uh, the Giants preview later. But offense, I'll go with Chuma Idoga. for this question. I will because there are some other guys who I'm really excited about. I want to go more in depth to later, but Chuma Idoga, uh, I definitely want to watch. There we go. The Seinfeld fan, I definitely want to keep an eye on him. So uh, and, and definitely because fan? he is, he is. He is he about? was tweeting about it like right after he got drafted. He was making some references. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, But I'll (laughs) go with him. uh, And especially with Brent Qualley's injury, I think he could be the top guy at at tackle if either uh, Scheller or Beecham go down. So I'll definitely be looking at Edoga to see how he holds up. And on defense, I think... Uh, a non-starter. I'll go with I'll go with Perry Nickerson. He's really interesting, a guy who's got all the athleticism in the world, but really struggled last season when he was in there. But the Jets obviously need cornerback depth, so hopefully Nickerson can uh, show some strides mentally. This year, And also with Greg Williams, and we know how creative he is, how he likes to send his DBs as pass rushers, Uh, maybe he'll use Nickerson better as a blitzer than he he was used last year, because I don't think he got too many opportunities to pass rush last year. So maybe he could flash in that role, but really it comes down to coverage, so hoping to see some strides from him. Yeah, I think those are both great answers, and
0: that Nickerson answer leads right into uh, our next one. We have two more. Uh, I'll start with this one, though, uh, from at D Felice Mark. Uh, hashtag AskCYJ In your opinion, what does the cornerback depth chart look like at the end of camp? Does the front office add someone like Claiborne? Well, uh, back into the picture, I hope Roberts can contain receivers opposite Jermaine? Uh This question was obviously submitted before the news of Morris Claiborne uh, I believe it was, was it PEDs or was it I don't want to mess it up, but it was, it yeah, was substance. So. Yeah, it, it was. might have been. I think it was PEDs, but it could have been um, weed or something. But he's suspended for four games, which makes a lot of sense as to why he hasn't been brought into the Jets or any other team. Um, so, look, we talked about that that Week Two matchup against the Browns. If those corners get torched and the Jets lose that game. I think you could definitely see them sign Claiborne after that four week during that bye, give him some time to be back, and he could be there by week five to try to save the the uh, the secondary. That's only if Daryl Roberts is struggling. I do imagine that Joe Douglas is going to add some corners before we, we uh, start week one. I think he'll try to trade for somebody or he'll pick somebody off the waiver wire for some more depth. As far as what the cornerback depth chart will look like in my mind. I think, obviously, uh, for your starters, I think you have Tremaine Johnson. You have Daryl Roberts, Brian Poole. That's three. Then I think you go Derek Jones. Uh, This is where it gets tricky because everybody else here is kind of not really well-known.
1: The fifth fifth guy is going to be a wild card, and Nickerson is obviously the top Yeah, there's Nickerson.
0: Sorry, there's Nickerson to be the backup. Yeah, Nickerson to be the backup slot. And then I think you're looking at probably Montreal Meander. I guess one one of those guys that Joe Douglas added, and that's just right now because I think that Joe Douglas will add another guy on the waiver on the waiver wire. But if they're keeping six, I guess I, I would go with Nickerson and Jones at the four and five, and I guess Meander at six. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think, and I'm just gonna be straight up. It's gonna be one of these random guys who none of us know anything about. So one of those guys are gonna make the team, whether it's uh, Mallet, Meander. Uh Tavon Campbell, D. Delaney. I obviously have the Kyron depth brown in front of me or else I wouldn't know these names. <laughs> Kyron uh- Brown. Yeah, him too. So one of those guys I think will make it. I think Nickerson has a good shot because of the lack of depth. Just because he's a young guy with some upside doesn't mean he's going to be good this year. Like I said, I hope he does show some strides in preseason. But obviously Poole, Johnson, Roberts are the locks. Uh, I think Jones has a chance uh, just because he did get some action against New England last year and played pretty solid in that game. Uh, it's not; it's only one game, so he can't go off with too much. But he did look good. And he, he wasn't a Joe Douglas draft pick, but he is... A younger guy, and he has looked good. In the, he looked good in the preseason last year, and in that Pats game. So uh, I do. I think Jones is going to make it. I think Nickerson and Jones will be uh, both on the team, and maybe one other, one of those other guys. I'm uh, Not really going to go with one because I don't know their games yet. We'll see how they play in the preseason. But yeah. Uh, so I think both of those previous Jets, both those McCagnon picks are going to make it. Jones and Nickerson plus one of those wildcard guys.
0: Well, yeah, you touched on it. That's going to be the big the big X factors. How do they plan the preseason? After Thursday, we'll have a better idea of what the depth chart is and how those guys are performing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's a position that is obviously a need, but it's exciting. There are a lot of young guys, and you never know where you're going to find a diamond in the rough. I am a big believer in, believer in Derek Jones. I don't know if that's just because I got the chance to interview him when he was a when he was a rookie before he. I don't I think he was on the practice squad or something. So I do like Derek Jones, and you know I think. Last summer, he had a great training camp in preseason. And then week 17, I thought he played really well against New England, as you said. So uh, I like Jones, and I could even see Jones, you know, bumping Daryl Roberts out if Roberts is struggling. But we'll close with the last question um, from uh, at Luke underscore uh, Sky Walsher. There we go. I got it. Hashtag, hashtag ask CYJ, what game this year do you view as the most favorable matchup for the Jets? And what is the most intriguing matchup? Well, I'll start with favorable. Um... I mean, I I think the Dolphins
1: um, are obviously— Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that's a—especially the home game, Week 14. That's a definite one.
0: Yeah, it's a home game. So the Dolphins are going to be playing in the cold in New York. Adam Gay says the revenge games, I guess, against the Dolphins. So I think he—I mean, he knows the team. And the Dolphins just, quite frankly, aren't a very good team. Uh, I do expect the Jets to sweep them. I could always see the Jets dropping a game that they shouldn't, but I think— Oh, yeah, definitely... I just
1: want to jump in here. I actually looked this up recently. The last time the Jets swept the Bills and the Dolphins was 1998, so it's a hard yeah. thing to do. It doesn't happen a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean— I don't think it will because I think they're going to split with I, the they'll Pats. They'll split with
1: the Bills, I think. I, I
0: think they'll split with the Pats. I think they'll sweep the Bills. I could, I could totally see them dropping a game to the Dolphins.
1: I really hope that by the time that week 17 game comes that they're in already, that is going to be tough. It, yeah. Oh God. Don't, I, there, oh, we don't, we so don't need play. another week Our, 17 in Buffalo. Let's not talk for, about let's it. Let's not talk playoffs, about it. Sorry. <laughs> I said.
0: Uh, as far as most intriguing matchup. I mean, look, I, I think, and this is a game that, that Michael's already going to. I'm seeing if I can go to this game as well. Week two Browns is the obvious answer. Monday night football. There's just so many storylines. One, I mean, you have the Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold, the rematch. Sam Darnold was supposed to be the Browns quarterback. Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the Jets quarterback. You have Greg Williams, the Browns' former coach, is now the Jets' defensive coordinator. Both teams have added a bunch of talent. You know, the Browns have their marquee addition in OBJ. The Jets have theirs in Le'Veon Bell. It's Monday Night Football. This is the 100th anniversary of of, um, the NFL, and the Jets and Browns are the first Monday Night Football game. So the NFL gave them the first solo Monday Night game. There's just a lot of different storylines here. The Jets are debuting their stealth black uniforms. I know some people don't care about, but, about that, but it'll be the first time in history, so that'll be cool. I
1: definitely care about it.
0: <laughs> I, I me too. It's a, there's a lot of storylines here. I know you're going to the game. I'm definitely going to try to go to the game. If we do, we'll have a cooler Jets meetup. Um, but if I'm going to go with a non-traditional answer, if I'm if I'm knocking the Browns game because that's a game that I think everybody circled on their on their calendars. Uh, part of me wants to say the home opener against the Bills because I, I like the Sam Darnold versus Josh Allen dynamic. but um, And there's the Pats at home on Monday Night Football Week 7. Hmm, I'm going to go uh, that Week 7. There are so many week, good games, that, especially there's a, lot at home. Of, there's a lot of great games. And like you said, I think Sam Darnold is going to be able to play every first-round rookie quarterback from 2018 because That's he gets Rosen. He will,
1: and, as, long, as long as Rosen gets in one of those games. And, of course, they stay healthy, but they're all on the schedule.
0: Yeah, they are all on the schedule because he has Baker Mayfield with the Browns, Josh Allen with the Bills. He has Josh Rosen with the Dolphins and Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. If I'm going to go with kind of a wild card answer here, I'm going to go week 16 against the Steelers. I think that Le'Veon Bell kind of revenge uh, is going to be cool. And I also think, like you touched on, I think that's going to be a huge game as far as the Jets getting into the playoffs. I think it's another AFC team, an AFC North team, a team that they might be battling for a wild card spot. And I could totally see that being a game that if they win, they secure their, the sixth spot or the fifth spot or whatever, or at least just takes them into a win-and-in situation against the Bills. So I'll go Week 16 against the Steelers as a, kind of an under-the-radar uh, intriguing matchup.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to agree with you. I think the Browns are the obvious choice because of all the storylines you mentioned. And and I, and I just have to say, listen, I have a ton of respect for the Cleveland Browns fans. I went to Cleveland for the Jets game a couple years ago in 2016. The Browns were 0-7, and those fans were still out there, drunk as hell for that entire game, going all out for that terrible, terrible team led by Josh McCown. So I have respect for those fans. But the hype with this team, it's kind of annoying. You can't help be annoyed with the hype that the Browns get. So I hope the Jets beat the shit out of them. I really hope they do. But I'm going to be going to that game, so it would be awesome to see in person. But that's an obvious choice. But there are a lot of other intriguing games, especially on the home schedule. And I think to go with something the opposite, or go with something that you didn't mention, I'm going to go with that Giants game just to see. Jets-Giants only happens every four years, so it's really fun when it does. Uh, obviously, losing to them is not fun, but it's still really exciting when it does happen. So Browns are the obvious choice, but I'm looking forward to the Giants game especially, but uh, there are a lot of exciting games. I mean, Antonio Brown and the Raiders coming. You got the Pats on Monday night. Uh, You got the Steelers, the Ravens, the AFC North is an exciting division. Uh, Got the Cowboys at home. That should be fun. So uh, there are a lot of good games, but Browns are the obvious choice and Giants would be my number two.
0: Yeah, I think that that was a great pick in the Giants, and especially watching that Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold matchup. Uh, if Sam Darnold can just light the Giants up, uh, and Daniel Jones, if he plays plays terribly, that would be just so so delicious to be able. you were going to gonna get. Giants to, and
1: that's, there are so many good quarterback matchups for Darnold, and especially yeah. young guys. And uh, like you mentioned, they're going to play all all the first round guys. They could see Jones. They're going to see Dak Prescott, so Brady, so uh, and Dwayne Haskins potentially. So a yeah, lot of yeah, but but Jones,
0: but coaches. Jones is just the you know the Giants are the team that passed on Sam Darnold. They're the team that's been saying No, fine without Sam Darnold. So it would just be so delicious if for the next four years we could tweet at Giants fans uh, with with gifts of Sam Darnold just crapping all over their team. It'd be um, that this is a great segue of Sam Darnold crapping all over the Giants because the Jets play the Giants. Uh, on Thursday. So we'll hop into a little bit of a, a preseason preview, um, for this, uh, for this game week one, obviously it's preseason. You're going to see some vanilla offense. Uh, I would expect the jets starters. To, if the, if the jets offense goes down and scores in a touchdown drive, I, I honestly could see them getting pulled after one series. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they'll just play one series, two series, maybe three. Um, but I don't think, I think Le'Veon Bell only plays one series. I think Adam Gase is going to, you know, keep it slow, whatever. Um, I'm really excited to see the backups, to see the kind of depth that we have in this team, because that's a big issue and cause of concern for me is, you know, I think the Jets have a nice starting lineup, uh, specifically, uh, sorry, in most places. But they have some depth issues in a lot of places, specifically offensive line and, and cornerbacks. And and even there are some question marks with the receiver core. So uh, I'm interested to see that. But, uh, Michael, I'll turn it over to you first with this Giants preview Uh, I guess, what are you looking out for from a preseason game for week one? Obviously, the win-loss doesn't really matter that much. I know you're hoping for no injuries, but what is something that you can see from the Jets uh, on Thursday that'll make you feel better about the team heading into the season?
1: Well, I got a list of things here that I'm going to be looking out for in that game. And the first word on my list here is Wesco, as in Trevon Wesco. So I'm really excited to watch him. Honestly, and I just want to see how great his blocking can be and if that facet of his game can really provide some plus value to the Jets offense, because it's a really underrated underrated part of offense in this league. Uh, Blocking from the skill positions is so important and uh, so important. And I think the Patriots are a team that wins from this skill a lot and it doesn't really get a lot of love. Uh, The last couple of years, I think the Patriots have been getting recognized for that. A lot more, especially with Gronk and some of the fullbacks that they've had and other tight ends over the past couple years. But I think this is a really underrated part of football in general. And it was something that Trevon Wesco was specifically drafted for. So I'm excited to see just how good his blocking can be. And Eric Tomlinson has obviously been the go to blocking guy for the Jets at tight end. And he's honestly pretty average in that role. He gives up a lot of a lot of pressure. As a pass protector and as a run blocker, he throws some really good blocks, but he, he has some whips, too. So I think he's been average overall. So I'm interested to see if Trevon Wesco can take over his uh, Thompson's role and become a really good stud blocker. And I'm excited to see if that can show in preseason next week. And and look, it's just fun as hell to watch him obliterate people. So uh, definitely excited to watch Javon Wesco. Wide receiver is going to be interesting beyond those top three guys in Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunoz, Jameson Crowder. Uh, there's going to be a huge battle for spots there. We talked about it last week, how it's kind of like a special teams versus pass catcher battle, but you got Deontay Burnett. You got Tim White, who's made a lot of noise in camp, and Greg Dortch, of course, a guy who went undrafted, kind of had some questions with his motor on the field, but has looked really good in camp. So I'm excited Could you see- to see those three guys. question could yeah. you
0: see the Jets just rounding out their depth chart with those three young guys rolling with the after, I guess, after Bellamy is the fourth, they carry seven, assuming that Dorch can handle return abilities and just go uh, with I those three it. guys? Yeah,
1: I think if Dorch is going to be the prim- kick and punt returner, if he's going to handle all those return duties, if they really like what he brings there, then I could see him being pretty much the return specialist and then. Have Burnett be your fourth—basically your fourth receiver. Bellamy is your special teams guy. And have Tim White be kind of that sixth guy, maybe inactive on game days. I could see that. I could see that for sure. But obviously— I think fans want to see young guys take roles because they want to have guys in their team who, who are young, who they could be excited about uh, potentially being on the team for a long time. So you want to see that and fans will get mad at the team if they don't pick those young guys, like, okay, why did you go Jermaine your main curse over so-and-so because uh, he's older, whatever, but uh, coaches are watching these guys in practice and I'm sure they want to take these young guys just as much as fans do. So it, if those young guys earn those roles, they'll for sure get them. So I'm excited to see if they – Tim White, Deontay – and Deontay Burnett especially, like you mentioned, in those games against Chicago and New England and on the road against two really good teams. He was the best skill player on the field for the Jets, which is a low bar to clear, but he's some really good flashes. And this is a guy who was the youngest wide receiver in the NFL last year, the youngest player to ever appear in a game for the Jets. So he's still – he's still 21 years old. So he's got a ton of untapped potential. He could – at his age. And obviously he has the chemistry with Sam Darnold look good in those two games last year. I'm really excited to see him compete for a role and potentially make this team and be that top backup receiver. But those other two guys as well, Tim White and Greg Dortch really excited to see what they do with the lights on.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk about some specific players. What I can see that'll make me excited, I guess, for the direction that the team is heading is really going to come from the coaching. I'll, you know, from all three phases, we'll start with the offense. And again, it'll be vanilla. It's not going to be the exact thing, but I want to see how Adam Gase uses Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell on the field at the same time. I don't think they're going to go completely in depth with it, but I'd just like to see, you know, okay, well, are they going to have go five wide and have Le'Veon and Ty Montgomery on the field at the same time? Will have they, will they, have, will he put both of them in the backfield at the same time? Will he put one and you know one out wide and one in the backfield. I just, I, I want to see that. I want to see the, te- the different type of route combinations, how he's using, how he's utilizing Robbie, the different types of routes and stuff. I'm just really, you know, excited to see it. His play calling. I know it's going to be vanilla, but it can at least kind of give you a sense of the type of play caller uh, and and offensive coordinator slash head coach that Adam Gase is. On defense, the same thing, except uh, I want to see the different defensive packages, the personnel, who, you know, who, Greg, I've been, you know, reading a bunch on training camp of guys like, you know, Harvey Lange and guys, Frankie Louvu and guys that I hadn't really heard that much of. Getting some significant time, so I'm kind of interested to see. Okay, does Greg? How does Greg Williams sub in a guy like Blake Cash? What you know uh, package are they in? When do they you know run specific packages? What types of blitzes do the do? Does he send? Uh, does he give a guy like Derek Jones any sort of starter reps? Uh, and then on special teams, this is a big question for this team. Uh, was last year a fluke for Brant Boyer? Um, I don't believe it is, but I want to see it. I want to see you know how does the return game look? How does the kicking game work with Cat and Zero? And of course the goat. Like Edwards, how does he look Holden, holding the
1: football and also pinning offenses inside the five? So, you know, yeah, obviously. Can, can I jump in there on, on yeah. the special teams? So I, I think that, you know, and fans gave the team some flack for not resigning the two pro bowlers on the number one special teams unit in the league based on DVOA with Jason Myers and Andre Roberts. But I think you look at Andre Roberts returns last year and not to take away any credit from him because he was really good, but he wasn't really making people miss on those returns. Those were, most of the time, good. really good That's open paths uh, to the end zone. So And and I actually looked back and tracked the num- the guys who were most often throwing key blocks in those returns. And th- there were guys who are still on this team, Eric Thompson, and actually Chris Herndon was near the top of the list. Sharon Peak as well, a guy who's in this receiver competition. So I think with the return game that you could—and it's hard to replicate what they did last year. They're not— they're probably not going to score two return touchdowns again, lead the league in pun return average. It's hard to replicate that. But I do think that what Andre Roberts did last year wasn't as much. It wasn't really all him. I think we really did see a lot of Brant Boyer doing a good job. With drawing up just the blocking schemes and also looking back at those touchdowns, some of the big returns I was noticing really similar concepts with the blocking that were just working multiple times, usually centered around those tight ends. And they did get Daniel Brown, a tight end from the Bears, just known for a special team. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can replicate what they did. I don't think they will from a numbers standpoint, but I I do think that the Jets were right not to overinvest in special teams Pro bowlers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the most important things is you need a guy with safe hands that can read the lanes. And if you could take a guy like Greg Dorch, who I believe he was one of the – I don't want to butcher the stats and leave the analytics to you, but I believe he was the best uh, returner in college football, or at least in the ACC, as a punt returner. If you can get a guy like him who has tremendous athletic abilities and the ability to make guys miss uh, and tremendous open field speed, if you can get him, just have him – you can teach him how to have secure hands on those returns and how to read the blocks – I mean, you're really developing a guy who could be your kick returner and punt returner for the next five years, uh, which is something that you weren't really going to get from Andre Roberts. I agree that he was safe hands, and he did a good job of reading those blocks. But like you said, there weren't many times where Andre Roberts, you know, put a spin move on somebody or juked him out. It was really just he knew where to go, and he did a good job of doing that. That's Now, again, it's easier said than done. um, But uh, I'm I'm hopeful that a guy like Greg Dortch or even Trenton Cannon or maybe even Jamison Crowder – Um, can take those responsibilities and and
1: I think at the least and the bar set high last year especially because us as Jets fans have not seen splashy special teams in a long time before that but as you just don't want to see muffed catches those really hurt the team you don't want to see those and people hate on fair catch curly but it there's value to not muffing any punts over the course of the season so that's really key but you also and Getting re- having a really bad return average can definitely hurt the team. It, it, those extra few yards of field position help over the long run, uh, the difference between a really good return unit and a bad one. So those are th- important. But the touchdowns, it's gonna like I said, it's going to be hard to get two again. But uh, just as long as you avoid those turnovers and be just solid with your return average, that's really important. And those great Dortch stats he had uh, last year, he averaged 11 there yards of <laughs> return. He, that was sixth in the ACC, and he had two punt return touchdowns. That was the most in the ACC. So, yeah, he was very good at Wake Forest in the return game.
0: That's ridiculous that you can just pull that out of out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, I got it pulled up here. It's not oh, okay. In my no, head. You, so you just have okay. You're just gonna typing it, uh, making yourself sound smart. Is that what you're telling me?
1: The rest of them, the most of the other, every other stat I said, I, I promise. Every other stat okay, I said before right. that. Was in my head, but I had to pull up the Greg Dort stats here.
0: <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll leave it with that. You know, obviously we're excited. I guess I'll say um, I like to do this a, a score prediction, Michael, for this game. I know it's preseason, but I figure when we do preview games, we kind of give. I actually like
1: this. I have a good idea. I think it's going to be preseason games have super weird scores. There are a lot of field goals. I think there's good probability of mix, missed extra points because the kickers are rusty. I'll go with the. I'm going to go with Jets 12, Giants Whoa. 10. Ew. Disgusting. Oh, my God. I know, gross. Disgusting. I'll it's go
0: Jets. 21. Yeah. I'll go Jets 26, Giants 10. Is that weird enough for you? 26 would be, what that's would that good. be?
1: I like those weird numbers. That
0: two, that's what two touchdowns
1: and four like field goals. I want to see what those scores were because I usually the, all right. So here are their scores in preseason last year, 17, nothing against Falcons, 15, 13. They lost to the Redskins, 22, 16, lost to the giants, 9 lost to the Eagles. Yeah,
0: they are weird scores. I guess that's a good point. I'll go 26, 10. Uh, Actually, I don't know about, I don't know about Trevor Simeon leading that second team offense. So I don't know. Maybe I'll not 19. I'll go 19, 10. I'll knock it down a touchdown.
1: There we go. But I a nice ugly number. Did you want, want to make one bowl prediction for the game? bold prediction for the game uh I think that uh all right I'm just gonna say something super random and weird uh Chandler Catanzaro is gonna complete a touchdown pass 17 yards to Tim White what the where the hell did that even that's just not happening it could happen I've done it, I mean, in Madden, Not with those guys. <laughs> well, who runs I'm a, a fake
0: field goal for in the preseason? Is that something? We've been you talking about Brant Boyer being a genius, so it's going to happen. You're right. Maybe he does have to just one up himself and just start whipping out some crazy onside kicks and, and fake punts and whatnot. He, he's I,
1: pissed. He's pissed off that his Pro Bowlers didn't come back, so he's about to show everyone how much of a genius he is.
0: Well, I'm surprised you didn't go with something like Lack Edwards completes a, a first down on on fourth down.
1: I, I'd like but to. See I, that. I was gonna go with that, but like then I thought like he's already he already has the highest completion percentage in Jets history, so he's the best punter, <laughs> he's the best holder, he's the best quarterback in Jets history, so we know how good he is. So. It wouldn't be bold to say that was going to happen. So that's my I'm surprised process.
0: they haven't done it since. It's a good point. Since that Jacksonville game in 2017, they haven't really
1: whipped it out. And I wonder oh, yeah. how and fast he one, is either. One more random Edwards stat. This is actually a real fact that I looked up recently. So in that Jaguars game in 2017, he had a 70-yard punt in overtime, and he had that 30-yard pass. This is the first time any player had had a 70-yard punt and a 30-yard pass in the same game since Randall Cunningham in, I believe, 1989. So – yeah, Edwards is good.
0: <laughs> you know, Randall Cunningham, Lack Edwards, same same thing. Tomato, tomato. Um, all right, I guess for my bold prediction, it's not really bold. I was going to say, maybe I'll go with it. I'll, I'll say Le'Veon Bell gets a touchdown in the opening drive. I think the Jets, Sam Darnold and the Jets are going to just open it up with a beautiful drive. Just great way to start the preseason, and Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell is going to punch it in in the red zone. Uh, and then then Adam Gase is going to pull the starters, and then all the Jets' Twitter will be celebrating for the next week. Um, there
1: you go. Nice so, and Michael, safe or good?
0: I'll give you credit for this. Uh, you said that we should close the show with just something, you know, a little bit more fun. Fun question to close each week. So, this was yours for this week. You wanted to give the top three play-by-play uh, and/or color TV announcers for the NFL. So, I guess we should do. I guess we'll go and. So, top play-by-play and color TV announcers? Because yeah. trying to think of color announcers, and it was a little more difficult. So, it was your question. So, I guess I'll, I'll give you the floor first your top three just overall NFL commentators?
1: So I think two of my choices here I think are pretty popular. I think I'm going to go with one guy who, especially in the New York area, is a really popular announcer, not just in football but in basketball as well. I'm going to go with Ian Eagle. I really like Ian Eagle. He is – He's, he's just really solid and he's really professional as well. He has, uh, I've seen articles about his preparation and it's just ridiculous. And it shows up during the game with some of the facts he brings up. His, his pronunciation is always really good. Uh, Some guys butcher that and I might just butcher the pronunciation of pronunciation, but I'm going to keep saying it that way. (laughs) But Ian Eagle is very good all around and he is a New York based guy. Uh, I believe he's from New Jersey uh, he obviously went to Syracuse so I love I eagle uh number two I'm gonna go Jim uh, I'm gonna go yes that's true let's go Cuse. you go there I'm an orange basketball fan uh number two I'm gonna go Jim nass he well at is, some
0: point at some point you got to come up to, to a cus
1: game and and, and visit me yeah I definitely want to one day but anyway we, we can I'll, record a
0: cyJ in person
1: that, we should do that's it crazy. in mid-december Jets will be 12 and three and that will also be the temperature outside while we record. <laughs> so anyway i'll go 15
0: 12 or 3 which
1: which which 12.3 i think that's what i was going for (laughs)
0: 12.3
1: on the dot but anyway i'll go jim jim nance is my number two guy i like jim nance he is he's pretty much the voice of the afc if there's a big afc game usually the patriots uh, jim nance is going to be calling that and the guy who he announces with i'll get to later my color comp color commentator rankings but jim nance number two he's just really solid And my number three guy, this is a hot take for sure. You uh, backed that up before when I told you about it. I'm going with Joe Buck, and I know he gets a lot of hate, but when when I hear Joe Buck— We just lost half of our podcast listeners. Yeah, I know. Sorry guys. This is a Joe I Buck. Actually, I Buck, don't think the vitriol is
0: as strong for the Jets fans because we don't listen to him that yeah. much. And I actually don't but, think he's that bad either. I actually like Joe Buck, but I know. I a just lot like
1: his voice. He I is know. a he's a big game voice. If you hear his voice, it's a big NFC game. Usually the Packers or the Giants or the Cowboys, especially. But I just like Joe Buck. It feels like he makes it feel like a big game. That's my thing with him. But I'm gonna go with uh, Eagle, Nance, and Buck. Those are my top three. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. Um, I'm gonna go top
0: three play by play. I agree with you. Ian Eagle is terrific. Uh, I guess the Q's alumni or Q's alum. Uh, I've just,
1: he,
0: I have just I kind of just whenever I think of Jets football, I always kind of think of Ian Eagle as the CBS comedy. And you know
1: he he tends to do good Jets games. I think yeah he, he does. does. He does. He, I mean I don't he necessarily did the Patriots game the the 2015 win. I, I do believe he also did the—, uh, the Gi- Didn't he do the Giants game? He did the Giants one, but I also think
0: he did the, the Week 17 Bills one. He just was on every— Oh, Jets he did. Game. Oh, yeah. No more <laughs> Iron
1: Eagle. I want him gone.
0: <laughs> no, I'll go Iron Eagle as, as my number one play-by-play. Uh, I guess number two—this is kind of a, out of left field. I'll go Mike Tirico. I really miss him on Monday Night Football, and and I think he's supposed to be uh, the replacement for, for Al Michaels, who was very—I uh, guess Al Michaels I guess could have been in the top three, but he's actually not— uh, I just really like Mike Tirico, and he has that great call of of the 2012 Monday Night Football. Well, I guess it's not great for Jets fans, but it was 2012 Monday Night Football against the Titans, where we got the we somehow got the ball back, and it, we were fighting for our playoff lives. Uh, we got the ball back in Titans territory, uh, and, and it was and Mark Sanchez got a low snap and fumbled it, and he was just on the ground, kicked around. That's how the Jets season will end. That's how this game will end.
1: Oh, Ugly. he's in our intro Italy. as well. Yeah, he's what? He's in our intro. Calling the oh, Le'Veon Bell touchdown.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I like him on Monday Night Football and I think he's supposed to take over for Sunday night football. So I like Tarico, I like Eagle. Uh and number three, I consider going Al Michaels. I, I'm a big fan of Jim Nance as well. But to be different, I'm gonna go with Kevin Harlan. He had one really bad Jets game, which was 2017 week one, where I think he butchered like every it was weird. Oh yeah, I remember he that. Called, he called uh Jermaine Curse Jordan Matthews, and he called Jordan Matthews Jermaine Curse. And he just it was weird, but outside of that. Between NBA 2K, between basketball, between football, he's just terrific. I think he's one of the best in the business. So those are my play-by-play guys. Color, also
1: his call when the, the drunk guy ran on the field yeah. at the 49 <laughs> game. That was all time.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he, he's a legendary commentator. As far as color TV announcers, obviously Tony Romo is number one. Uh, I think he's just completely revel. Oh, my God. What just happened? Hold on. There we go. Sorry. I clicked a – I had that article open of the – like. Uh, commentating duos, and I clicked on it, and just an advertisement just played full blast in my ears. So my eardrums are still recovering. Yeah, I go in Tony Romo, number one. Um, Number two, this is a tough one. I guess Chris Collinsworth. I'm a big fan of Chris Collinsworth. And I don't want to take your guy because I do agree with him. I think he was a great pick. So for number three, uh, I'll mix it up, and I'll go with Rich Gannon. I think Rich Gannon actually does a a pretty solid job each week. Uh, I I just – Part of me thought about going with Dan Fouts, not because I think his his commentary is that great, just I think he's kind of funny with Eagle, as you mentioned, uh, when we were talking before. I think he's, he's, him and Eagle have been pretty funny together, but as far as, like, actual football knowledge, I I guess I'll go with Gannon, Um, but I'll turn it over to you for color commentators.
1: Yeah, I, I like Gannon. I think the thing with him is, like, he'll be hard on guys. I think, like, he's not afraid to, like, say, like, point it out when a guy really messes up, so I like him for that, but I agree with your top two. Tony Romo is—he's almost as good at color commentating as Lachlan Edwards is at holding. So he's, in, which means he's really good. <laughs> Are we over under seven Lachlan Edwards jokes so far? <sighs> that should be like an over under in Vegas, over under on the number of Lachlan Edwards references. I guess, I guess we should make it in every Jets episode.
0: Every, every episode we have to have at least four Lachlan Lachlan Edwards jokes for his yeah, number.
1: iTunes said we have to have that many if we want to keep the feed up. Yeah,
0: that's that's why we're not approved yet.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I'll go I'll go with Romo number one. He he and what he's done at Color Commentators, like he's like literally redefined what that position is about. Like no one's been able to do what he's done. And it, it's funny because like these guys should be able to do that because a lot of them are quarterbacks, especially in the NFL. But the thing is, Romo is a young quarterback, or at least relative to the rest of these guys, since he was just playing in the league. And a lot of these other yeah, he was around, haters. and yeah. he was
0: around during the passing revolution. So I think right. he's, he's just knowledge. Yeah, I, I just think knowledge. him
1: being younger, he's more energy and more willingness to just kind of give out everything he knows and really go, just really go deep into the tool chest with his knowledge. So I really appreciate him for that. Uh, Collinsworth number two, I agree with. I, I know. I can tell you're a stats nerd and don't do too much around the
0: house because he just called it a tool chest. But
1: yeah, alas, okay. Uh, it's, I'm just going <laughs> to cliches. All right. It's a well, toolbox, Michael. Whatever, tool chest, tool, tool chest. chest. That's All a right, sig- that's a signature quote here. We got Loxland Edwards. We got tool chest. Those <laughs> are we're already building up our signature quotes here. That's good. You
0: search up a treasure
1: box. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Collinsworth number two. i Some people like to hate on him for some reason, but he actually talks about football in a football way, and that's really good. He. Uh, he definitely goes in depth, and we'll talk about just like play calls and play design, and he'll he'll like look at offensive line matchups and talk about just the pass rush moves and technique and stuff. And no one else really does that. That's not something Dan Fouts is gonna do, even though he's hilarious. But Collinsworth number two, and uh, my number three guy. This is I think there's a drop off here because I really like those two guys, but number three I'm gonna go with Charles Davis. I think he's. Really I don't think solid. it's a drop off.
0: Not a drop uh, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not Madden? saying it
1: as a knock on him. He's good, but I definitely had to think a little bit after I came up with those two guys. But Charles Davis is really good. Obviously, he's the voice of Madden, and and he's just he just has good energy, and I think he does. And like what I like in color guys are uh, you know just announcers who like will go into actual depth and not just say, oh yeah, a great pass by Brady, really nice catch by Gronk, and it's a touchdown, just stuff like that. But I like Charles Davis. He'll go beyond that and give some good in-depth stuff, and he's the voice of Madden. So Romo, Collinsworth, and Charles Davis for color guys.
0: I like it. I will, really quickly, this is off. The, I think we spent more time on this announcer question than any other topic uh, in this podcast. But it's a, it's a fun topic. I want your <laughs> least favorite announcer of all time, and I got mine: John Gruden. Completely overrated as far as I, I was gonna goes. put
1: him in the top three. If he was no, still active, he'd no. be top oh three. No,
0: my God, I, the amount of games I had to mute when John Gruden was commentating, and, and oh. I'm just gonna come back to, I, I don't want to roast him too hard because I actually I like him as a coach and whatnot. I think he I think he'll be do good things with the Raiders and whatnot. And I mean, maybe it was just my personal taste, and maybe it was because he was tough on some Jets guys. But you know, here's a real Gruden grinder, Spider too Wide, but it was just like, oh my God, it was just ugh. Spider, do I banana <laughs> up the alley? Um, yeah, no. So I, I wasn't a big John Gruden fan, I guess, when it comes to commentating. But do, do you have a least favorite one? Least favorite? I'll go. with. Probably not wise for somebody who's I, trying to enter the broadcasting field to, I guess, roast pe- other people in the broadcasting field. It really, really <sighs> make my presence felt. But Michael, uh, I guess
1: I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Least favorite one? I think that um, this is this is tough. I, I think, and it's non-football. The thing with football is that the, all the announcers are unbiased. There are on TV at least there are no team-centric guys, so they don't really have any biases other than Troy Aikman. But uh, like with baseball and basketball, if you if you listen to the team broadcasts, they can be super biased and it's really annoying. In football, you don't really get that, so no one really stands oh, out. You go to the radio. Like we have Bob. Wesley, um, other than radio, I'm talking TV. Yeah, but talking TV, but. Uh, I I think just like the if you go to like the D like the DE and E or whatever the the lower teams uh that call the the games between the you know the the teams that are terrible every year the Jets usually don't get those until the end of the season but uh the, the lower teams at CBS and Fox I think just kind of are a drop off from the rest
0: Yeah there are some guys that I actually do like like Andrew Catalan is a guy that's kind of underrated and
1: stuff but I understand what you're definitely saying and and I, think, I mean, I think I, Andrew Catalan is good. I I, don't, I forget his name, the guy that works that he did games with last year, but I, I did not like him. He's just like saying cliches and like really simple stuff. Those are things I don't like. I don't like. It, well, you could you could also throw in there
0: was uh, Jeff Fisher was a commentator last oh time for, that's for, a for good the Jaguars game. Like Jeff Fisher. And he's even, not, Bruce, and
1: even Bruce Arians wasn't that great either. Both those guys, I agree. And like, and I've talked about wanting detail, and I think they did give pretty good detail, but you kind of have, there's a requisite level of energy you need to have, and I don't think either of those guys had. Jeff Jeff Fisher sounded like he just
0: downed a bottle of NyQuil and then got on the mic. It was literally just like, and you know, this is a, a good pass from Sam Darnold here. It was just like, oh, God, put me to sleep. All yeah, right. Well, like, I'm just on super the, low energy. Yeah. On that you positive. You not fit on
1: Cool Jets.
0: People, did we already address that one? The, uh, no, I don't think we did. Oh, we did? didn't get to that one. That was a good question. Is it not in the – did I just skip it? I don't uh, think we put it in here. Oh, that was a good did. question. Though. I was supposed to remember it. Okay. Yeah, well,
1: I'll, I guess I'll bring this, it up, actually. it what? was The question was, why did you name your podcast after something that sounds like you think the Jets will be bad? So what, this is what like, are this your thoughts about?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, this
1: is a good point to wrap up the show. Um,
0: So we had a, we had a few different – we spent a, probably a week trying to think of names, and we went through twenty of – More
1: a week is a –
0: Multiple weeks. <laughs> it was it was a while. We didn't really decide until like the day before we announced. Um, for a while, we thought about like trying to do something with Take Flight, but we didn't want to get sued. Um, we I think I had a list of like twenty different names. The one I kind of liked was uh, I thought about we could we could call it Monday Night Miracle and drop it on Monday nights, but then it was like is that going to be too outdated? And also um, doesn't have Jets in the name, which I think for you know searching a podcast for reasons it helps to have the team name in in the name. Uh, cool Your Jets was a was brought to. To me, by Michael, it was—I think it was your idea. Yeah. Um, and I know I've said this to to some people, and they're like, "Well, does that think, does that mean you think the team is gonna suck?" And that's not what that means. I think our idea with Cool Your Jets was, you know, I think a lot of times in sports talk radio or even the Jets fan base or Twitter, you have a lot of reactionary. This guy's the worst player of all time. This guy's the best player of all time. But the podcast that Michael and I are trying to host, we we want takes that are well founded and research. Obviously Michael is, is, is wicked smart and knows knows his shit when it comes to analytics. But we wanted stuff that appreciate was appreciate that. Was was well grounded and and well researched uh and not too reactionary. Um so I guess that was kind of the cool your jets take a step back and let's analyze this is kind of the way I was thinking of it. Not like cool your jets this team is not going to be that good. It was more cool your jets, let's dive into this. Let's not you know, let's not just react on the surface, let's dive deep in, into certain topics. Michael, I mean, how did how did you interpret it and kind of go through the name process? What was your experience with it?
1: Yeah, that was well put. I think it's just, it's a good pun and it has Jets in the name. I think those are two important factors when you're picking a podcast name, but I think you put it well. It's just, it symbolizes just, just the even keeled nature. I think that's something I go for with anything I write, anything I tweet, just being, really balance and understanding the best that could happen. Also the worst that could happen and just settling in the middle and understanding both sides of the story. So I think just being even keeled and balanced, cool your jets, just we're going to talk about this rationally. I think it makes sense in that regard.
0: Yeah, I agreed. Um, if you'd like to follow cool your jets, uh, the, the Twitter is at CYJ pod. Uh, I run the Twitter, um, but you know, obviously it's kind of, it's representative of the whole show. Uh, if you want to follow Michael, it's, he's at Michael underscore Nania on Twitter. If you want to follow me, it's at Ben W. Blessington on Twitter. Uh, we're planning to try to do this every Monday. Um, this week might be a little different, as I mentioned at the top. We're trying to get it on iTunes, and there's an approval time. You have to wait, and so we had to submit the test episode. It was a whole thing, um, but I do expect to be approved by Monday. Maybe wait until Tuesday, but um, uh, in the future, these episodes will be will be out every Monday. we just record them on Sundays after the games. Um, uh, and we're going to try to get it. We will have it on Spotify. We'll we will have it on Google Play, on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, any place you want uh, to listen to podcasts. If the if you have a, a place you like to listen to podcasts and we don't have it there, you can just tweet at us, and I guarantee we can get it on the the place that we use to publish our podcast is very good and has uh, a wide variety of options for that. Um, yeah, we're just excited to keep doing this. You know, uh, I think I think this was uh, an improvement and a step in the right direction from our test show. We're really excited for this. Um, and especially, uh, with our next episode, we'll have the ability to talk about real actual football games that the Jets played, which is really exciting.
1: Uh, Michael, before we close, anything else you'd you'd like to say? Yeah, this was definitely a lot of fun. I think we improved a lot from the first episode and this was, uh, just based on how this went, I'm really excited about, uh, the future of this show and obviously the future of this team should be fun to talk about some real football next Thursday and, when we come back next week. So definitely hope that everyone adds this podcast to their tool chest of podcasts. There you go. I'm throwing that <laughs> phrase in there. That's our signature now. So, uh, add this to your podcast tool chest. And I- I'm really excited to come back every week and do this and watch the jets and Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk and all those other bums play against the giants. bums <laughs> next week.
0: Uh, me too. And, and as you said, um, uh, I, I guess uh, we're, we're still establishing our, our chemistry. We're kind of like, uh, I guess, Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson. We, we've got it down. We're getting there. Uh, we've had some good games. We've had some some down moments, but I really believe that that we're getting there. I guess you're more the Sam Darnold. You're the wicked smart. You know the the analytical guy. The you know the guy that's kind of the brains of this operation. I'm Robbie Anderson. I got away with words. Uh, I'm all talent too. You know I'm, I'm in for for a uh, I'm in a contract year too. So I'm hoping uh, turn of the Jets resigns me. So we'll see. That, that was yeah. a joke. We don't. We don't do that. Those that some of the jokes. You know, when you, when you run a podcast, uh, it was okay. It was. It was solid. They, they can't it can't all solid. be home runs. That was.
1: you know, That was. Don't. Don't. It was. A, it was a walk. It was a walk. It Wasn't even a walk.
0: It was a it was strikeout. A strike, it
1: was a strikeout swinging. There you go.
0: All right. Uh, I guess we'll close on that. Um, go down swinging. <laughs> I always, always, Michael, always go down swinging. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We got a lot, a lot of love. Uh, on our episode, uh, on our first episode. Uh, oh, that was a good point to, to bring up. Definitely make sure, please review this podcast. Please subscribe. Please like it and share it. Um, the reviews are a big, th- big help. You know, when you start a new podcast, getting, getting a lot of reviews and a lot of positive reviews at the start can really boost our podcast. So we'll be tweeting a lot about that. Please review our show. Uh, feel free to tweet us. Um, but when this show gets on there, uh, gets on iTunes and whatnot, please review, please share. Uh, we're really excited. We got a lot of love and a lot of feedback. Um, from the uh, Play Like a Jet episode we did. Feel free to tweet us more feedback. We're still obviously working and finding stuff that works, but really excited about this podcast and the way it's heading. Really excited for Thursday's game, um, and we'll be back next Monday with some more Jets talk. Thank you for listening. Everybody have a great week, and let's hope the Jets catch the W on, on
1: Thursday. left? Fires one down the left sideline towards the end zone. Robbie Anderson, he's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Bumps it to Bell. And right beyond Bell. Takes it. it... 12 30, 35-40, Crowder, turns the Jets, he's going to go all the way, Jamison Crowder. Now it's intercepted by Mosley, he's going to score, dude. and he's in, touchdown C.J. Mosley.